And now we're joined by Pat with the USFL News Hub to talk about his Panthers preview article. Hello. Howdy. How are y'all? Good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty all right. You know, I'm busting out these articles. Uh, well, we have four days away from kickoff. So uh, you know, we get to see spring football. We get to see, you know, these kind of fringe professionals show us that they either A, can or cannot be professional athletes. So we're going to see more PJ Walkers or we're going to see more Matt McLoins. Let's, uh, <laughs> what a comparison. <laughs> yeah. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong, though. Well, only time will tell. <laughs> yeah, this is a McGloin prohibited area, so we're... that's not going to happen with us. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. Hopefully. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, like you said, we are four days away from getting to see the Panthers kick off finally. Um, as we know, you know, spring football always works. It, it has worked, if done right, obviously. You know, the failed, uh, I should say, always works, but there's the the want for it like the people want it whether yes. the leagues you know know what the hell they're doing or not that's an entirely different you know situation but the fans are there we want the football and finally for 22 we get the we get the usfl yeah and along that comes the the panthers which in the past usfl is were the champions so they're the inaugural champion. The inaugural champion. So it'll be uh it'll be great to see spring football come to Michigan. And Can we I, make it back to back inaugural champs? That'd be awesome. <laughs> it's definitely a possibility. You know, it's more likely to happen for the Panthers than their opponents, the gamblers. So Right. Yeah, so speaking of what going into the preview, uh of course we've read your article, but those that haven't read it what are your ultimately, you know, we'll go deeper, but summarize your thoughts on, on what you see from the team when you did your deep dive. So I definitely feel that they, uh, Panthers do have on the top coaches in the league. Um, Fisher, you can make the seven and nine jokes all you want because they are hilarious and to an extent they are warranted. As far as experience and wins total, he does have the most wins. Excuse me, except Mike Riley has more. Uh, but his winning, uh, Jeff Fisher's winning percentage is better. It's 512, so it's not just 500. And I know those are some fighting words to a lot of people, but it's the reality. So I think because there is, in my opinion, a little bit of concern with the secondary, having him as that defensive head coach um, with defensive back experience in the NFL, he was on the 85 Bears, is really going to help kind of bring up those uh, weak points. And then he's got one of those hip young offensive coordinators and Eric Marty that's really going to hopefully utilize the skill set of the receivers, which I do think is a little bit of an issue. And, um, you know, Shea Patterson and Paxton Lynch, who really haven't played much professional football in the last three, two or three years. So Yeah, and like you said, uh, with Fisher having the most wins next to, to Riley, I think it is important to point out that you know, 173 of Fisher's head coaching wins were as an NFL head coach where, you know, miles ahead of everybody else uh, his, in pedigree as far as USFL coaches are concerned. Granted, I think towards the end, his percentage wasn't quite as great. So we'll see if, you know, he's able to adapt to, you know, the new game, especially in, you know, the spring game. But as far as his pedigree goes, yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you that I think that uh, he's right there at the top as uh, probably the biggest name, obviously the biggest name coach, probably arguably the the best coach. Like you said, deficiency in this defense, you know, from a draft perspective, kind of makes you wonder. But then again, with him being you know that experience and being one of the few defensive minded coaches, he might have a strategy that is advantageous but that's you know of course to be seen absolutely i think i think he'll be definitely a good candidate to you know whip whip them into shape and you know get them maximize their potential because i i know after reading your article i i definitely agree with a lot of your points how they're weak but i i do but you also you know said at the beginning you know this team does have a lot of potential so i'm i'm excited to see if he can bring that out of them yeah there's definitely a lack of nfl experience um on that defensive 
a defensive side of the ball. Um, well, there's actually a lack of NFL experience in all of the whole, all the leagues, and you know, and the XFL, and guys who played in the AAF. Um, I think only it's like 19, 51 players on active rosters or something like that have XFL experience, and even less have NFL experience. So a lot of these guys, you know, they're coming from the spring league. Because there's the Brian Woods connection, obviously, but you know, Spring League is different from the XFL. The XFL was different from the AAF. Um, there's a lot of new faces to the professional game. Uh, I do think I do like the front seven a lot. Uh, I think Frank Gita, you know, Ginda is going to have a major impact on it. Um, I am a little nervous about some of the edge rushers that they have, specifically Chase uh, Chase Demore. Um, I'm gonna be honest. He, you know, he seems like he's in great shape, but he that, those those skinny edge rushers kind of irk me a little bit. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how that plays out um, in this league. But yeah, as far as my concerns with him, I think how much is he, you know, actually gonna dedicate to being a ball player versus a social media, you know influencer yeah. starlet whatever you want to call it um obviously if he's half as dedicated to football as he, he seems to be with social media i i don't know if the concerns will certainly be realized though like to your point yeah the, the smaller run ends kind of make you feel like they're a little undersized they're not going to be able to get through the o-line but i said i it'll be interesting to see how um, the short amount of time for training camp and you know overall the smaller rosters, how that will play a part in in what you see with with offensive uh, cohesion, like like we saw with the AAF. You know, no matter of how offensive friendly some of the rules were, the offenses still sucked at the beginning. So maybe this, you know, isn't so much of a detriment to to our defense. Yeah, but I think with the AAF too, the quarterback play was a a lot different, though as far as with the skill level, um, it took like the legend the uh, the legends didn't actually have a quarterback, you know, like Aaron Murray and Matt Sims kind of meandered through that, and then it took the a team like the Express kind of figured it out between Meta Burger and Brandon Silvers, and, like, Johnny Manziel was still pretty athletic and still, you know, flashy and whatnot, but, you know, between Medford and Silvers, they finally figured out who their guy was. Like, here, I think every team, I do think the quarterback play is a lot higher in this um, in this realm, than it, uh, in this league, than it was in the AAF. So even though maybe these there's less time and less cohesion, I think they'll they'll be able to figure it out because a, a lot of these guys do have the experience at least in the preseasons like like a guy like Kyle Slaughter's thrown 12 preseason touchdowns already and Alex Magoo has been in a couple preseason games and Tamu's got experience and you know Thorson's been to three preseasons and Lalletta has actually played in a game so they're all you know the Panthers you know, for starting quarterback wise, Shea Patterson has the least amount of experience in an air quote professional setting. So, yeah, I think I remember my big issue with the AF though in initial play was the receivers not being able to catch. The balls were placed fairly well from what I can remember. Granted, this is three years ago now, so I'm <laughs> right. I would just be remembering uh, poorly, but I no, that was that was definitely it. it took. It took a couple of games to for them to shake off whatever it was and to finally like look like you know a re- a real football team. Otherwise, yeah, it it was definitely there's a lot of drop balls. It was really frustrating. <laughs> and Don't... as far as draft is concerned for the USFL, the receivers were kind of a surprise for me. I thought there were going to be a few different names that we never got to see. So makes me wonder just where uh, receiver play will be. And they were called. A couple of them I spoke to before the draft, they were like, yeah, you guys are on the short list type thing. Like, there's one gentleman, he is playing in the, I- the IFL right now who was on the Express and the Dragons, and he was like, 
what what do you mean I didn't get called type thing and there's another gentleman who he played in both leagues as well that I talked to a little bit and he was also told he was going to be called he played in the AAF and the uh and in the XFL, and he was surprised he wasn't called. Um, I think even Charles Johnson and Richard Ross, who are guys I did not talk to at all, they were also, and they're still actively playing football in like arena leagues. And these guys weren't called, and these guys were bona fide stars in in the leagues. And you know, Charles Johnson has NFL experience, so you know these are good people to have in your league for not only your younger your younger players and bringing them up but also just in general and i feel like they mix they missed out you know like a guy like jeff Bidette is not a bad guy to have on your team but there are definitely other names that i was a little bit like the springling connection might be too strong if you know i think the league has an intention they have a style of play they have a type of player that they want and they obviously have not really disclosed their mission their goals as far as you know what type of play they want other than high scoring so i i want to believe that there is a method to the madness as far as some players that weren't taken i'm just still a little confused by this so i guess i'll have to believe in the usfl that they have you know they have a goal in mind that they know what they're doing with that Otherwise, maybe we'll see, you know, that change for next year. But for this year, this is what we're riding with. And it'll it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't think any of the receivers that we have are bad by any means. But still, like I said, some of the names that I expected to be called weren't. So right, it's not what I was anticipating going into February that this was what the rosters were going to look like. Both good and bad. Yeah. And I'm I'm very curious to see how many people got called and said, hey, hey I'm good as well. Um, you know, I, I would like to think maybe there'd be a lot more people on Twitter talking about that. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, Nick Holly was a guy I thought was going to be called um, because his brother Nate was drafted by a team. And obviously that didn't happen. So he you know, he was kind of a little scat back type guy, uh, Flynn Nagel, another like these these slot guys, especially with the league, you want to you know make it dynamic and all this stuff and limited time. What are you gonna do? You're gonna run RPOs and drags and you know bubble routes. It's like those are the guys you want, you know. Right. So we'll see. Now, again, the name that you had already dropped for coaching, uh, go back to that, is Eric Marty. I am actually really excited to see what he brings. He kind of seems like he was moving up pretty decent as far as, you know, coaching in California being at the, you know, JUCO level and then getting his shot at Grambling. And all of a sudden he's, you know, running the offense for, for the USFL. So I have done some research to him you know granted this the smaller names sometimes harder to get really really into the weeds with them but um from what i've you know dug up i'm excited to see what he got and especially with with the tight ends that we have i think that kind of fits really well well he is a former he is a former quarterback he he's he's won a couple awards overseas um kind of fits that mcveigh like young up-and-comer guy um is is when we you know maybe not so much with a coach like Fisher who knows how to actually be a head coach when you get these position heavy uh coaches they often forget about the the offense right or they forget about the defense you know like Rex Ryan you know Todd Bowles and the for the Bucks is that's probably what he's going to be doing as well so I'd like to believe that a guy like Marty is going to pretty much make this his baby with very limited input from uh, Jeff Fisher, but I don't think Fisher's going to let the uh, the lines go off all the way. But he also has, like, the offensive line coach is, has been around for years upon years, Neil Calloway, so maybe we'll see a lot more freedom with a guy like Marty because he does have experience assistance kind of making sure that he's uh, doing what's right. 
And speaking of Callaway, he uh, is familiar with the city that he's going to be coaching in this year, being uh, UAB's head okay. coach from, what, yeah. 07 to 11. So he's very familiar with the area. Yeah. And Mark Stewart also is another older guy as well. Yeah. Um, that'll be on the offensive side of the ball. So maybe Marty will have a lot more, uh, a lot more uh, say and just kind of more overs- oversight than actual uh, being told what to do verbatim. Yeah, and I think that's going to be kind of what you what you would expect from when you're you know you you're coaching the opposite side of the ball that your head coach is you know most comfortable with, and as far as like, obviously Fisher's concerned, his, the defense. So I would expect that Marty's going to have a little more free reign uh, with his offenses, which I would certainly hope so with like I said with the player skill set that we have. Yeah, and also the the coaching outside of uh, Jeff Emiura, these other Quan uh, Drake and Tony Brown, they're both younger coaches. And Dan Corral, this is his first time being a, a defensive coordinator. Kind of reminds me of a little bit of Rabel as far as like his getting excited and whatnot. But he's been a linebackers coach and a graduate assistant at Ohio State and Houston. I think he was at UMass before he came here, and he's also a former linebacker as well, a Division One linebacker. So, I think Fish Fisher's going to be on that side of the ball a lot, doing a lot more like hand in the cookie jar, even if he was an offensive coach as well. Yeah, and like you said, Carell was uh, the linebackers coach at UMass for last year before you know yeah. joining Fisher at for the Panthers. So, yeah, he so he's. A little step up, obviously, from position coach to to DC, but he'll obviously have the tutelage of a Fisher being the defensive minded coach again. So, I I think that'll um, a good mix of old and new will be will be beneficial. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm excited for it. You know, I kind of I kind of like it. Um, a little bit of research, and I wish I did before I came on. Now that I'm thinking about it, is like the inexperience is uh, is on for the Panthers is on the defensive side, but they have a defensive minded head coach. I wonder for these other teams, is it the same way type thing? So you know, maybe right, like who, I agree. Like who, you know, if the, you know, if they're, uh, if the other coaches were, will be able to plug the plug holes, like we're hopefully seemingly able to be doing so. Right, and maybe even that to the point uh, with the gamblers. Like, we look at their offense and we go, well, that looks awfully weak. And But then you have, you know, someone as an offensive-minded coach. So maybe there is something to that. Yeah. Well, that's that's why, and we were talking about this before the show as well, with, with the Maulers. Like, the Maulers are, I think, going to run the ball 40 times a game because they got Madre London as well as Garrett Groshek, who are two two hitters right there so you know and Kyle Lavetta though so, you know I did pretty well in the preseason you know he's only thrown five uh five passes doesn't also have the most um either and there's no re- receivers on that roster that I'm like like the most excited receiver on the Mullers that I am uh that I look at is Matt Seibert just because of his time with the uh in the spring league that I've seen him play. I thought he was a good dynamic tight end. So yeah, he's the only guy I really get excited about uh, outside of the running backs. So, you know, Kirby Wilson, big running backs coach, that team probably going to be getting the ball on the ground a lot. Right. Little, you know, side note there. Like I still am a little surprised that Smith was let go, especially with, with Wilson, but Maybe with London, he does want that faster back, the little more shifty back rather than, you know, the power running. So that'll be, um, there'll be someone to watch out. Like like we discussed, kind of middle of the pack. They could be, you know, terrible. They could be, you know, championship level. They could, you know, just end up, you know, somewhere around the five and five or six and four or what have you, kind of like what everyone's, you know, Meming Fisher to do. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is one of those things where a lot can happen. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see how our opinions will be next year, but, uh, right. you know, like 
if the rosters stay like 50% the same, because Kyle Slaughter is getting like a guy like Kyle Slaughter is getting signed after this, like Paxton Lynch, if he plays and he does well, he's going to an NFL camp. Like someone will take a flyer on him, you know? Yeah. So like, you know, a lot of these guys will be moved around and, you know, do, does, you know, Shea Patterson stay? Does he, does he, you know, go back to Canada and become a rushing Russian quarterback. I'm very, very curious, you know, so. You yeah. could even end back up on a, you know, practice squad or active roster in the NFL too, defending, depending on how his development has been, because he spent some time with the Chiefs as well. So yeah, uh, a lot of it's possible. I'm probably higher on Pedersen than most. But speaking of that, it's curious that you kind of, think that the defense has the most question marks where everything that we've been reading pretty much indicates that, you know, the defense is the the stronger side of the two for us. What makes you a little more optimistic with our offense than than what I've seen? I think it's a gameplay. I think I think it's Eric Marty personally. Uh, I think Paxson and Shea are gonna be are way more athletic than people give them credit for. I think they'll be able to make enough plays with their legs. Like his, like his touchdown that he threw the first one in the preseason game was exactly what I thought. I also have a lot of faith in. And I wrote this in the article: Connor Davis and Marcus Ball, um, two guys who have actually played in the NFL. So, right. I think I think and I and I do like the front seven of. I do like the front seven of, of the roster, like on the defensive side. The offensive line scares me a little bit, but that's because a lot, like a lot of people in this league, they're all unknown, you know. So yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm like, uh, and it's so much harder to find good information on some of the offensive line, but what I have kind of figured out is, at the very least, we're not undersized, at least certainly not according to to NFL numbers, like. I did a quick math or did some quick math with our with like the weights and our average is between the eight guys that we have is about 309 pounds where the NFL's average is about 314. So not too far off, you know, within five pounds. So we got some good solid guys that are NFL size. The smallest dude we have is 290, whereas we have, you know, the highest at 331. So pretty pretty solid within a you know fairly small range i'm you know i'm not too worried about that but it was kind of interesting to hear uh chase talk about how if we're facing a you know really tough defense that you might see lynch starting so that doesn't give me the most confidence uh in our own line if we're gonna have to change quarterbacks depending on you know how tough a defense is but i mean i think that change that change, game plan's always gonna change anyway yeah that changes the game plan like you're gonna be seeing a lot a lot more probably uh straight read options instead of the rpos and everything like that like i I'm I'm very curious to see what Paxton Lynch wants out of the USFL. Like, does he want to go to the league? Yeah, I, I does not does not doubt that in my mind. But does he want to be QB three? Does he want to just kind of hang out? Was he asked to come back by the USFL because they wanted a name? Is he just kind of cool with just being around football? Because it you know when he was in the CFL, it seemed like he really didn't care. He was just kind of like doing this for a paycheck type thing, and and adding that into what I've kind of heard is that he has more of a laid back approach still with the USFL, where Patterson's definitely taking it a little more seriously, much more serious about you know his job and you know what they're doing. So, uh. I think either either method could be good. I don't think that necessarily is indicating, you know, that Lynch's competitiveness isn't there, but maybe, uh, like you said, if he kind of just floated in the CFL, just kind of was there for a paycheck and didn't really have ambitions to get back into the NFL, then 
yeah, what's the, what's this stop in the USFL to him? So, that's so, to be seen. So Lynch has made about nine million dollars in 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 the NFL. He's you know twenty eight, twenty nine years old. He's not a dumb guy. He graduated from Memphis. Plus, add his salary. You know, he did play the whole year with the Rough Riders. Plus another you know fifty to sixty grand playing in the in in the USFL. Financially, he is probably extremely well off. You know, he's probably doing pretty good for himself. So. There's definitely maybe the hunger, but there's also the maturity of this guy is a, a professional athlete now. Like he had to deal with the adversity of being cut, and you know he, in my opinion, played better than Geno Smith in 2019. And then he had to deal with being, you know, a backup to Duck Hodges, where he had to be the guy because he didn't hear anything bad coming out when Duck Hodges was playing about Paxton Lynch. He wasn't being a jerk or anything like that. He had to help Mason Rudolph, who was taking those starts, you know, so there was a lot he had to deal with on that. So I'm sure he's probably a chill, you know, he's he's an adult, essentially, so. You're right. <laughs> like, really, what it comes down to. He's yeah, t- that's right, yeah, pretty much. He's, 20, he's, you know, he's the same age as, we're both 28-year-old grown men, you know, so he's just, this is what I do for a living now. Right. So. Yeah, and it'll just be yeah, it'll be really interesting because I mean he's just so big, he, you know he's six seven, yeah. like, uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, like how he you know if he's able to kind of pull like a PJ Walker and kind of you know shine through, and you know what will that mean in the future? Will he want to stick around? Maybe go to the XFL and leverage for more pay or? Will we try and go back to the NFL? Like, yeah, it it's he's relatively young. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. He, it just you know it, he could it, he could keep going. <laughs> it depends on what he wants, you know. Like if like I said, he's made he's made nine million dollars in the NFL plus whatever right. whatever he's made through all his other stuff. I'm sure there was an endorsement or three that we don't know about, right? And oh, then it's yeah, yeah. So with all these factors, does he just want to p- actually play football or does he want to be on an NFL sideline? And those two things are going to answer the question like that will answer the question for you about Paxton Lynch. And I'm and I don't want to go on the on this like on this uh what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say I'm a Paxton Lynch supporter or anti or whatever it is. I just, the guy's six, seven, he's athletic and I've seen him play football at least in the pre he's done well in the preseason. So if he's done well in the preseason, who's he playing against in the preseason? These guys. And he's a first round draft pick for a reason. And granted, we've seen teams take flyers and obviously you have busts, but he, he's at least going to, be able to to hold his own. So whether or not he he wants to, whether or not this is anything like you said, anything more than just a paycheck, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him, you know, making some starts. Or I guess I wouldn't be terribly surprised if if we see him sporadically or hardly at all. Plus or minus on touchdowns. How many touchdowns does Paxton Lynch? I don't, I don't want to say score, but contribute to this year. Rushing and uh, receiving, or rushing and do we, passing. Do we want to make our predictions now? Uh, that's a good point. That's a good question. Probably, I'd say, let's say eight. You know, eight games. Ten games. Or ten games, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I'm going to say at least twenty-five. You think Paxton Lynch will have contributed for twenty-five touchdowns this year? Over over ten games. Yes. So you're so you're on team Lynch is QB one then because if he's QB. 2 Oh yeah, I guess he is sharing. Yeah. He's sharing with Jay. So let's. I'm gonna be generous in half that then. So okay. at least, at least twelve. I'm gonna say that. Okay. I still think that's generous. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm being very generous because I really don't have any stake in the matter. <laughs> <laughs> I like both of them. It's whatever. So <laughs> I just want both of them to succeed because I want the Panthers to succeed. Reasonable. I know that's boring. That's, I mean, bo- love- that's boring, but. <laughs> 
I'd love 12. I'd love 25, especially if he's QB2. But as much as scoring as the USFL wants, I don't think we're going to see it at the level that, that they're hoping for. So I'm no. going to go about half of what your final number was to say, about five. He'll be in enough packages. Uh, I don't know that that'll be, you know, enough to, to score a lot of touchdowns, but, you know, to get get some first downs, maybe, you know, change the game a little bit, flip the field. But so I'm going to go with five. Yeah, five, and five conservative. I think my serious answer, I think I, my serious answer is going to be a little bit higher than that. I think it's going to be seven, seven or eight, I think. Um, I, I just think his physicality, I think he'll he'll probably have more rushing touchdowns than we'll we'll give him credit for. Um just he's just so big that I think he'll be able to sneak it in a couple times more than more than usual. So I would say nine. Um if he if he is QB if he is QB two for the majority of the season, I will say nine. If he is QB one for majority of the season i will i will say uh he might kiss that 18 to 20 if he's qb1 so if he plays 75 percent of the snaps i know we're getting very specific but we have to if right 75 percent right. of the snaps for at least eight games i would say 18 to 20 oh, okay Fair yeah, like a, a 13 th- uh 13 passing touchdowns five rushing touchdowns would be you know, 13 touchdowns, seven interception type thing. If if he, he was QB1. All right, and that is QB2 that we're talking about. So what about QB1 then? What <sighs> what, are you, what are you seeing for the Patterson-led, um, Patterson-led Panthers that we, we expect to see for at least, you know, most of the season? I would go with a 22 and 7. Like type thing, like a twenty, uh, twenty-two touchdowns to seven interceptions, twenty-two touchdowns to twelve interceptions. That's not a crazy, you know, with the promotion of scoring and everything. I feel that's not the most outlandish thing you could say. Yeah, if we have to chuck the ball deep, I think that double-digit interceptions is definitely possible. But Patterson. For all of a sudden, his concerns, he's pretty damn safe with the ball. Uh, his 68 to 27 TD to inter- you know, interception ratio in college is it's not too bad, about three to what, three to two and a half. So that's or about two and a half times. So two and a half to one. Uh, so that's not terrible. I, I want to say probably 2025. 20, yeah, I guess in the range. And if that happens, I'm not gonna be surprised. You know, like um, I, you know, it's very well possible. He's not. He's he's a Division One quarterback. He played in the Big Ten. He's 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 a capable, you know, higher higher level player for this league. I just think he's one of the more unknowns because he is. So. He was in the NFL for 68 days or something goofy like that, and he was. Right, <laughs> specifically a a rushing quarterback in the CFL, so you know, he 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 could be a lot of different things, you know. In the spring league, he wasn't the best quarterback in the spring league either, so you know, right. You know, there's, I don't want to say there's things going against him. I'm just saying there are things that these are these are facts. I don't want them to be, but they are. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still probably higher on him than most. I do, like I said, have some concerns with his deep ball, but with the RPO and some quick outs and some quick passes, screens over the middle, I, I guess I'm not as concerned, especially if he has some big tight ends to throw at, which which we do have. So I, I'm high on on Patterson. I do think that he's in that top three, four QBs in the league. Um, obviously I know that I am certainly in the minority in that, but could very well be the, the Michigan Homer in me, but I think he, he plays well with the system, especially with the, with the RPOs that I know that he can do really well. He's better than, he's better than Thorson. So, you know, if we're taking this one week at a time, you know, he's definitely, 
definitely on team uh team Patterson this week. So Right. Yeah, that one I I, I still think gamblers are they gotta be towards the bottom if not the worst team. That's where I have them actually. Yeah, no, I'm uh I'm I don't want there's there's no easy wins in any in anything in life, uh no matter what sport you play, anything goofy like that, but I will call this an upset, you know, if uh if they lose. So agreed. I think that's gonna be most people's opinion, so yeah. I remember. Oh, that would be wild. <laughs> I I honestly hope not, but That'd be absolutely wild if if the uh, the gamblers came up on top. Yeah, with so many unknowns, I'm still pretty confident that we're coming away with the W this week. So that's that's what I'm running with. Yeah, same. Yeah, no, I I agree. Definitely starting off the season one and zero. I feel like, um, you know, and uh, you know, this it's to me like the the two bottom teams are are the. Uh, are excuse me are um the stallions believe it or not and the in the gamblers um so i feel like everyone else is kind of so close that this first week of seeing all these guys play is gonna really just kind of start painting the picture for the league you know yeah i i go back and forth between the generals and the stallions as my number seven team so i right now with the power rankings that i have it's Birmingham at number six, so still definitely towards the back end. I like I like uh, Perez. That's the thing is he's I know who Perez is in a professional environment. I don't know who Alex Magoo is. And also he's safe though. That's he's just safe, he's... and that's Perez or Magoo because Magoo is Perez. Okay, yeah, no, he is. He is definitely the Spring League's version of 2011 Alex Smith. I will agree with you on that. And that's and so I don't expect that he's going to have many turnovers, so he's not going to lose the game for New Jersey, but I I don't know that he's gonna win anything either. It took him granted, you know, a few weeks to even throw a touchdown in you know in the AAF granted he did better when he took over for the um, for the Guardians in the XFL but he still wasn't you know pushing for that top quarterback spot either he's seven and three as a, as a starter in professional sp- football so you know he's, it's seven and three means something yeah like I, said, I don't think he's going to lose any games I don't think that he's going to be a bad quarterback I think he's just going to be safe. I don't think he's going to to really push the team. If I'm wrong, uh, then it'll say a lot to the self-made, self-taught quarterback himself. But I'm I'm still gonna I still hold AAF over him, which is probably not fair. But, but th- I mean, at this point, I don't know. No one's proven enough yet. So. Yeah, but I will I will caveat with that is that Trent Richardson had. 11 rushing touchdowns, which means he had, and he was averaging two points something a carry. That means Perez had to man- manufacture drives to get Trent put in those situations. For what, yeah, for got what? him down to the goal line situations, but could never really get them in. Had to rely on Richardson, which I mean, that's, that's, that was their setup. That's uh, not a bad tactic. Go. Uh, like, that's like you said, it's, it's, Maybe not fair to knock him on that when you have a sure thing with yeah. you know T Rich two point five to get those two and a half yards of carry. I mean, would we uh, would, would we so let's let's bring it to this right? I'll, 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 in this land of make believe we live in, same scenario is happening with Shea Patterson. He's getting them within the five, and then you know Paxton Lynch is running these read options on the on the goal line and he scores 13 touchdowns that year with something ridiculous what what conversation were we having as Panthers fans we talk about how awesome the team is or are we talking about oh Shea Patterson's only thrown seven touchdowns this year or how great Paxton Lynch is you know <laughs> you, you get where I'm going at with this oh yeah no and yeah that'd be a fair that'd be a fair point absolutely yeah. like, I'd still be 
you know, cautioning that obviously Patterson's doing, like I said, the bulk of the work. It wouldn't be fair to shit on him for that, but I still have my concerns. Yeah, no, you know, maybe I... I'm just, just maybe I'm just justifying my hate. Um, but a little bit, yeah. Oh, I definitely, uh, definitely, I definitely think a little bit, but you know, it is what it is. You know, um, I think Magoo. One of my issues with Magoo is that uh, I don't know if Skip Holtz really likes him as much because he took his his uh, Louisiana Tech quarterback as well, and threw him in the uh, threw him on the team. So if I was Magoo and that was me, I would I would I would think that my co- coach didn't have a hundred percent confidence in me personally. Maybe I'm wrong though. Well, I mean they obviously they all the teams took you know a couple quarterbacks, so I. Don't know if that's fair because you could say the same thing with um with Patterson and Lynch. Like, hey, so you took me number one, but you are then you know getting this former NFL quarterback to you know to be my backup. Like, what do you did you just not have confidence? So, I mean, I think that could be said for a lot, but I do think to that point though that Jamar might actually be starting over over Alex. I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be a bad look because they did they did put him on one of their main pam uh, their main uh, advertising things, and then today they had him as they had Scooby Wright as the as the line or as the stallions stallions player. So, I mean, we'll see. You know, and by the way, Scooby Wright looking thin. Guys dropped a, <laughs> he's looking he's dropped some weight. I didn't even know who he was. I thought he was a running back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was like, so it's someone to look, someone to look out for. We'll we'll see. Now, the one person I was really looking forward to on our offense, and everybody was so highly uh, was so high on was Quincy, and him not reporting, um, does kind of hurt my feelings for my confidence for our offense a little bit. The, the receiving core is probably my biggest question mark on this team. I mean, you have Jeff, Jeff, Jeff and then you got Lance. Like, you know, I'm more excited to see what Connor Davis is going to do, honestly, <laughs> like statistically wise, or what Marcus Ball is going to do. Statistically, I'm, you know, is, are they going to run... I know those those are two bigger guys, but no one's really no one's really wowing me that much. You know, Ray Bolden is kind of a good story, but we'll see we'll see what happens with him. You know, like another unknown. So oh, he was on Patrick's Roughnecks. It didn't really do a whole lot, but no, I don't even know if he recorded a stat. If he did, it wasn't it wasn't much. He is a Stony Brook guy, you know. I know that. Um, <clears throat> he's also so he did play with Connor Davis, so maybe maybe there's a connection there. I don't I don't know. Like there's we and we can run around this in circles, but there's so much unknown in this league with every team. That, oh yeah, like, we're just shooting from the hip. Yeah, at every at every step right now. I think yeah, I think that's yeah. what the buildup is with a lot of this, you know, because at least with like the AAF, there was there was Christian Hackenberg, you know, there there were se- more second and third round guys in this league that you know more that had more NFL experience, and it's like it's like now it's just like. Like people didn't know who Ben Holmes was, you know. Like people didn't know who Brian Scott was. Um, so you know, if you really don't know, if you're not a Vikings fan, you didn't know who Kyle Slaughter was. Like Tamu, and Tamu and Paxton Lynch might be the most memorable, the recognizable names to the casual lure, uh, viewer. And Tamu only mostly because of the XFL. I don't really know other than those, you know. Involved with with SEC ball would really have known Tamu, outside yeah. of outside of the XFL. Yeah, no, I uh, Tamu like you know I live in the St. Louis area. I I I knew of Tamu because he was in Chiefs camp or 
Yep. No, he he was in okay. Chiefs camp after. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was in after. Yeah. So right. I, uh, yeah, I'm sure I saw his name. You know, saw him with the the Texans or something like that. But uh, he definitely out, out of nowhere. You know, because I was expecting Nick Fitzgerald to be the starter going into camp because I just thought he was this you know big body dude type thing. But you know, Tommy was a top five rusher in the in the uh, XFL. You know, he was he was great. I, between him and Slaughter, those are my two guys for MVP. Honestly, I'm still gonna throw Pedersen in the mix on that, but I kind of like our feelings on the Mullers. He's either going to be, or if he's up at the top of the list, leading, you know, leading the league, I won't be terribly surprised. If we have Lynch, you know, running the show, I guess I'm not going to be terribly surprised either. So, you know. yeah, you know, they they could be vulturing each other statistically, so could be um could be a very unique atmosphere with them, but. They're going to be competitive, and that's all that matters, honestly. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, especially yeah. especially you guys watch you guys watch uh, Lions games, so you guys can't really be mad about anything when it comes to that. <laughs> oh, we can. It's just like yeah, just no one. The, the Ford family is just going to laugh at you. Yeah, all the way to the bank. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's fine. We don't care. Take your, we're gonna take your money regardless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully next year they start taking our money in a different capacity as uh, season ticket holders for the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really gonna <clears throat> highly depend on how this season goes. But um, the Fords are gonna, you know, make money off of us one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys pro? Are you guys pro hub or anti hub? Uh. I, overall, I'm anti, but I understand, especially with you know COVID and everything. So I'm not especially against it. Like if if this if in a vacuum, I would, I would think this would be fucking stupid. Um, with everything that's going on in the world, I understand uh, why there's a hub, and then you know it. And if they can successfully transfer to the host cities, then you know, cool, great. If they continue being a hub. That's going to be a big problem for me, I think. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm either. I'm definitely more pro than anti. Obviously, I don't want this to extend beyond this year. If it's, you know, this was going to be, well, this is what we're doing and we're going to be in, you know, this hub on a permanent basis, kind of what, what TSL was doing, then no, I'd, I'd absolutely be anti. But if this gets us to year two, gets eyeballs on the league and then get us can get us into markets at least most of the markets for next year i'm not gonna complain i'm disappointed that i can't see live ball uh being you know in michigan but uh, yeah if it gets us more football gets us to next year and beyond then it's a worthy sacrifice yeah absolutely definitely think it guarantees a year two yes because I think it's going to make people want it, you know, and if they keep their ticket prices, which I think they will, around the $25 mark, I mean, you know, wherever they play, people are going to go to these games, especially if the Panthers are good, especially in Birmingham, because there's nothing else to do. Um, and it, yeah. it, it honestly, it sets up the NFL or the XFL for success as well, because the XFL right now is talking about doing a hub. And if they if they do a hub, you know, kind of everything. You know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of piggybacks each other in a way. So it's certainly not a fan favorite method, uh, but it's one that I think is financially sound. So as unfun as it's going to be, as annoying it's going to be, seeing these North matchups being in a what I'm going to assume is fairly empty stadiums because I mean who who's really going to watch go to watch the the north games other than you know just the spring ball diehards you know it'd be, <laughs> crazy people yeah right? <laughs> I mean if, if if the hub was in Detroit I'd be going to you know oh yeah absolutely but you're your casual fan the ones that are you know there to support their team you know I 
it's going to be Birmingham being, well, that the league is in Birmingham. So I think seeing the crowds is going to be a little disheartening, but you know, it, that'll take away from that experience. But I, I think, like I said, it's kind of one of those worthy sacrifices, one of those necessary things to get us into year two and beyond. And, you know, hopefully that sets the, the league up for a lot of success. Yeah. I, I th- yeah, though the fan, the fan situation is definitely going to be the big disheartening thing. And w- whether it's just disheartening and then it doesn't affect anything versus, you know, I, I, as stupid as it sounds, studio, you know, studios, and entertainment companies have done stupider things. And if they look at, you know, viewership and, you know, oh, well, we didn't get the response we wanted, so we're going to pull the plug. It's like, well, you motherfuckers did this. Like, <laughs> you know, it, so that, that's the one thing in the back of my mind where I'm kind of like, uh, but yeah, I, in a vacuum, I think I would, I would be hating it a lot more, but financially and, you know, everything else is going on, it makes sense. So I'm, I'm okay with it. And hopefully, you know, we can get to, um, host cities as soon as possible yeah um um um, i think it's going to generate more uh wants and kind of desire for the host cities as well so you know it's kind of it's kind of like rewarding you got you know you were good for a year so reward yourself um we'll see and you know they're moving the playoffs to uh we're moving the playoffs oh yeah to ohio so then that's gonna make like like i might go to that you know i live in missouri so now it makes yeah. So we're, a lot of us are talking about going, making the drive down there. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. I mean, there, there you go. You know, so there's the uh, and the, it's gonna be a little bit of a smaller stadium. I think that will be filled out. So we'll see what happens. And being uh, that I absolutely want to go, uh, you know, to I'm gonna get season tickets next year. That's if, again, assuming that we're actually in there. So whatever they're doing is, is certainly working so far. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure financially it won't be an exuberant amount of money either, so it'll definitely be worth it. No, as someone who's paid for season tickets for Michigan, uh, you know, Panthers could jack up their prices uh, considerably more than what you know the USFL is selling tickets for now. And it still would be considered cheap and affordable <laughs> for me in comparison. So <laughs> I'm not too worried about the cost there. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I definitely. See, and definitely, uh, I definitely think at least in that first year, a lot of people, because they'll see what's going on and are going to be like, yeah, I need to do this. And then that will stimulate it to the third year. And then the third year, you have to actually decide if you have a good product or not. Me. Right. <laughs> I don't think the XFL is going to last as long. I have this conspiracy theory that this is all a way for The Rock to own a team. <laughs> this is this is this is his long game for him to own a team and the league to the NFL to expand to thirty six teams. <laughs> so, so your uh, conspiracy is that The Rock is going to pull a Trump uh, with the XFL this time, and, and you know, not the USFL. Yeah, but I think I but I think he's like a little bit more successful about it already with the all these partnerships and this uh, alumni academy and everything. I think they're going to join together. You know, the, yeah, I, and the Rock is a uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Everyone likes him, right? Well, that's a, certainly a smarter play uh, and tactic going this route than trying to just say, "Hey, we're moving to the the fall and." you are stopping us, so we're going to sue you in order to shoehorn his way into getting you know, a franchise. So I think The Rock's method might be a little more effective, but no. I I don't know if I agree with that, but I could see that being plausible. Yeah, it's it's definitely a long play. You know, like he's going to stay in the spring until he's told to come in the fall. Yeah, and I, I think that's what would happen first. So, like, yeah. But at that point, I don't think the XFL will necessarily go away or fail because as much as yeah, the Rock could be called up, quote-unquote, he is only a third of the operation. <laughs> he, he will, he's essentially 
I mean, yeah, I'm sure the financial aspect, whatever, but he is the, playing the role of the figurehead. Uh, and, you know, that can be fixed. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, you know, we'll see. Who, no, who knows? I don't know. I do know in four days that we, uh, I get to watch a football game, though, so that's pretty exciting. Same. I'm very excited to watch football again. So. But do we get to watch much of a defense? That seems to be your concern. It depends. You know, if they're if they're running, if, if Thorson is throwing bubble bubble screens, and you know it's going to come down. I think they'll be fine. But if they're running, you know, more elaborate, uh, more elaborate uh, play action passes and whatnot, and these linebackers actually have to, you know, read the play then we might be in a different environment, you know? How are they going to do with mesh routes for the first time? How are they going to do, you know, working a tight end screen if that's thrown in? You know, all these all these little elements of the game that uh, a lot of these guys haven't seen at, like, the college level. You know, we'll see what happens now. But, like, to your point, that is kind of going to be what every team is going to have to run into. They're going to get to see ideas and concepts being run at a higher level than you know what they've mostly got to. Like your point, what fifty-one have XFL experience, and fewer than that have any sort of NFL experience. Yeah, and that is you know roughly one active roster's you know size for the you know for the USFL spread across all eight teams. So you're only looking at a handful of players on both sides getting you know any sort of NFL experience. So I guess I'm not going to knock the Panthers for that lack of experience just because that's going to be, you know, the opponents that we're facing are going to have the same issues. But I, I do have some of the same concerns with with the secondary, though. That's definitely where I'm, I'm feeling that we're at our weakest. Yeah, secondary and O-line, I think that's where we're at. Like, like those are... Thing is about receivers is no one really knows. You know, it's I could find someone who's a stud in the uh, in, in in the seventh round. You know, or you know, someone like Julian Edelman who was a quarterback and now you know becomes a star. Like, you know, is Tyler Palka the next Julian Edelman? Who knows? Type thing. So there's definitely a lot of uh, you know questions at receiver, but these guys could be fine. You know, they 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 could be non-issues because it's just receivers kind of a crapshoot, honestly. So, I mean, in the end, they have to get open regardless, and they have to get the ball thrown to them. So if they can't do that, then or if they can't have the ball thrown to them correctly, then does any of it matter how good they are? Yeah, that'll be seen. Um all will be revealed. Four, four days. <laughs> three days. Oh, three, and then, yeah, three well, days. Three for the league and then and then four for us. Yeah. So that'll be uh it's coming it's coming really soon. I'm not sure like I said, I'm still not sure what to expect. I'm expecting good things, but I don't know uh to what level. But what I'm also expecting is some Shea Patterson punts. I did see <laughs> yeah. that. That was well. Who's I'm? Who's the kicker? We didn't even get to that. I don't know who the kicker is. Well, we do have one guy who looks like he's going to be pulling double duty, and that is uh, Carazza. Michael Carazzo. Oh, sorry, Carazzo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Carazzo. Yeah, how many Carazzo out of uh, San Jose State? Yeah. Yeah, how many career field goals he's made? I'm assuming not enough. Zero. He's 0 for 2, and he's made one extra point. He's an all-conference punter. Good good pickup. <laughs> so you take that for what it's worth. But, um, you know, I mean, the practice squad hasn't been established yet on any of these teams. You know, the 38 and 7, they're, they only have 43 players on the roster. So... I mean, they could, they could, I would double duty if I was any of these teams, I would double duty and I'd, you know, they do have the fourth tight end as well. I would make my fourth tight end a long snapper, personally, but uh, we'll see, you know, I'm definitely, I'm 
I'm, I'm here for it. I'm watching either way. They could have no quarterbacks and go out there with Kendall Hinton at quarterback, and they'll still watch. I don't even care. I mean, maybe we should just take this that Fisher doesn't exactly plan to kick much, so we won't need to. I mean, I, 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 we'll be going for two or three after every touchdown, and we won't need to settle for field goals. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of gate. That's kind of what I took it as because he did kickoffs in college, but. You know, it's been it's definitely been a pleasure talking the team the team with you. I look forward, you know, to, Absolutely. to see what you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. No, definitely. Uh, I'm sure we'll be having a lot more conversations uh, throughout the year, whether online or you know maybe having you know recordings to do. But so before you leave us, what is? Oh, I know what your prediction is, but what is your final prediction for um, for the season? I'll go six and four. Um, Believe I said that they'll they'll split the non-conference games and they'll go four and two in the division. So, okay, that's very solid. I mean, they're gonna have to. Does that end? I mean, I I don't know about the playoffs. Like, I just you know, I have to see how they're doing. You know, like I honest, and then who they're playing in the playoffs and everything like that. You know, I uh, very curious to see. Yeah, a team like the Generals is Luis Perez going to be a game manager or is he going to crush it? You know, is is it, the Stars could be an amazing team because Brian Scott could be everything he was in the in the spring league and more. And you know, it, maybe Tamu just looks like trash. You know, so all these things, you know, all these things could factor in and change the uh, dynamic of the league. You know, like I'm going, but I, let me just get to week ten and then. Based off that, I'll tell you once we're in the playoffs and who we're playing, how how I feel about it. So that's fair. I I think we'll end up in the playoffs even with a six and four, but uh, I think I said my low end, my expectation is going to be seven and three. That that's kind of uh, my hope, my expectation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we'll probably go seven and three, and then like. I don't know, you know, like one of those three will be losing, losing two games to like the the Maulers or something, you know, something, something ridiculous, losing to the worst teams, and then uh, and then beating, you know, the the Breakers and and the Bandits, you know, having our way with them. So it gets you know, football and sports in general get weird like that. Agreed. You know, <laughs> we'll 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 sweep the stars. You know who who will sweep the stars? Who's a good team, and we'll we'll lose to the Stallions, the Gamblers, and the Maulers. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm definitely definitely think they are the best team in the North, but it wouldn't be surprise me if the the Andrus the Scott combination is everything that it was in the Spring League. And that's definitely a threat. That for sure in the north is, is certainly a threat to us. Them kind of having that step up, being able to hit the ground running with some familiarity with with players, because they basically were recreating um, that what the generals team in you know from the spring league. So I could see the stars having that that advantage right off the bat. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where my hesitation comes. Is I don't know if like I do think the Panthers are better than the stars, but I mean, if they're if they're able to be familiar with everything going on, then you know because they can run a no huddle because Scott knows his guys just a little bit better than Patterson or Lynch. Like that's going to go a long way. And yeah, they they might figure it out in the second half of the game, but by that time you're down two scores. That might all be all it, all they need, you know. So yeah, that might be a game they lose or something like that. So. But, you know, I'm not really worried about the Maulers outside of their rushing attack. I'm not really worried about the Generals. I think the Generals are, you know, a good team, but I don't think they're the best, you know. Like, it's kind of like being good in the AFC West. Like, yeah, you're the fourth best team with Russell Wilson. Great. (laughs) Still not making the playoffs, bro. So, you know, I definitely think... uh, it's gonna come down to how we play the breakers and bandits in those in those non conference games and uh non divisional games to really see what type of team this is. 
And as we keep alluding to, it's in four days. So I don't know. It, it still doesn't seem real to me. Uh, I don't know about you, Patrick. I know we've been kind of talking. It's just we keep saying it feels unreal. But I mean, we're four days out. It's it, it hasn't hit me. It's still feeling surreal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with, you know, the leagues before is, you know, because we keep you know talking about it, talking about it. And then, you know, is it ever going to come? And then it's like, oh, it does. And here we are. We're playing. It's like, oh, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, de- definitely won't 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 really fully hit me until, you know, see the product on TV. Yeah. yeah. No, I can't wait. Let me straight up. I can't wait. But, uh, yeah, guys, if that's all you got for me, I'm definitely, uh, excited you know to keep talking to you guys and um you know the next time we do this show hopefully we can do a recap next week and uh we can have a little bit more opinions about what we saw or what we didn't see and uh you know kind of call each other out on our bullshit depending on uh (laughs) (laughs) absolutely what happened or what didn't absolutely sounds good man well thanks again for uh talking to us thank you